And again, if we, if we took, if we talk just about a couple of those ones, energy pricing. There's, a, there's an energy crisis, so everybody's got to pay more. Why are British Gas and Ovo and whoever all of these companies making record profits? Exactly. Or you know, there's a food crisis. So why are the supermarkets making record profits, but the farmers are not? The farmers are being squeezed. The public is being squeezed. Today, folks, this is uh, World Wide Awake, and today I'm joined by none other than Lee Slaughter, political analyst, commentator, and former UKIP candidate. So welcome to the show, Lee. It's first time joining us on World Wide Awake. So let's dive right in, mate. So we often refer to people who control the narrative, pull the strings as they or them. Now, this is one of the common questions I get all the time, mate, on my content that I put out on the likes of Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and whatnot. People smart asses normally. Who are they? Who's they you're referring to? Because obviously, often we say things like, they don't want that, or they want to do this, and things like that. We've all done it, you know. But who exactly are they, and what exactly is it that they want? So let's dive right in. I'll pass it over to you, mate. <laughs> well, firstly, James, thanks for inviting me on. No problem at all, mate. I think you're right. You know, people talk spuriously about they, them, the globalists, and who are they? And, and really, it's a hierarchy of organizations and structures. And there's, there are families and there are people and names that sit behind that. But if we talk firstly about the structures, you know, you've got the United Nations, which was formed in 1946, which is essentially the titular, like, like, like a parliament, like a parliament of uneleceds, because these people are appointed by their governments. And they sort of sit there effectively acting like a global parliament, a global government. But they're not really where the power is. The power sits in organizations like the World Economic Forum, which was previously the, Europe, the, the European Management Symposium Forum, uh, and people like Klaus Schwab, which is mm -hmm. where the, the real power sits. And that's where they're related to Bilderberg. The Club of Rome came before them, uh, started by a guy called Aurelius Piccio and Alex King. And these people aren't elected, are they? No, none of these people are elected. None of, the, none of the people in the World Economic Forum are elected. They're all representatives of governments or corporations or civil servants. None of these people actually stand before the ballot box and tell the public what they're going to do. Mm. Klaus Schwab is self-appointed. He's founder of the World Economic Forum. Pe uh, Peccio and Alex King, they, they, they're not elected. They were just academics, I believe, who founded Club of Rome. And they start writing papers and they start doing research and they start issuing policy statements to governments and influencing through, through their channels. And the big question, where's the money come from? Uh, which is, we, we can get into a little bit later on. Yeah. But all, none of these organizations are elected. And, we, and we, in, in its hierarchical terms, if you think of the UN as the, uh, the World Economic Forum as, as the, the head organization, yeah, they're the decision makers. And then the UN as, a, as a, a, an implementation body with the, you know, like the World Health Organization is currently running through now with the Global uh, Health Treaty. Mm. This is a really draconian. Frightening. Uh, very frightening. People should be afraid of that one. Um, and you look at the way then, how do they disseminate these ideas? And they do that through the next layer down of organizations, people like the Trilateral Commission and the Royal Institute for, the, uh, for International Affairs. Uh, and... and others that, that basically take these thoughts and ideas and turn them into policy proposals and policy, uh, and then they brief them out to politicians who are looking to be elected. And more importantly, they brief them out to senior civil servants in all these Western governments, and they, they, they adopt them and then pr present them. And a, a really good one, a really clever one is a thing called common purpose, which was, and that's a way of teaching people in the public sector how to, how to think. And, you know, everything has to be nice and fluffy and wonderful. Mm. And you can't criticize this and you can't criticize that. And you can't be patriotic because that's racist. And all of these ideas have come from these, these organizations. And so you have to look at the policy that's coming out of government now as tiny baby steps walking towards this global government. And you, you can see it in, if you go back to the 80s and the 90s, where all governments, before there's any conflict or any war or any, any kind of country-to-country um, -country conflict, we have to go to the United Nations for a UN resolution. Well, who said you do? Sovereign yeah. nations yeah. can make sovereign decisions. 
And that from going to war, because I remember it in the, in the 82 Falklands conflict, needing a resolution from the UN. And from there, this, is, this, this needing a resolution, needing an agreement is, is now entering the economic spheres. You know, it, previously it was immigration. Now we're into major economics. And that leads you into that, the next layer down from these influencing groups into the people like the, the World Bank and the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Yep. And they are the ones that are responsible for what, uh, I forgot the guy's name, uh, an ex-CIA operative who wrote a book called the, 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 Diary of an, the Memoirs of, or Diary of an Economic Hitman. And he used to basically go around in, to nations in Africa and South America, sell these World Bank IMF bailouts you know, we'll, we'll lend you money for a hydroelectric plant. We'll lend you money for a road. We'll lend you money for a railway. Mm-hmm. And then once you've agreed that, then the interest rates go up and the influence starts and we'll refinance it if. And it's all about if you implement the next policy ideas, the next set of policy things yes. that's coming from the World Economic Forum via the UN, via Trilateral or via the Royal Institute. Uh, and governments end up forced into this. And a, a critical timing for the UK was the Callaghan government. And when, uh, you, know, you remember that phrase from the news, when, when the Labour government went cap in hand to the IMF, that was the point at which the UK became a, a vassal of, mm-hmm. of these organisations. And we've seen a headlong rush with politicians and civil servants since then to create the next layer down of organisations like the European Union. And, yes, yeah. and signing up to things like the uh, human, European Human Rights Act. And they then prevent national governments from doing things that are in the interest of national government, national countries. And all of these sorts of organizations, that's what we refer to as them, they. But the real, mm-hmm. really powerful ones in the current phase, the current cycle, is Klaus Schwab and World Economic Forum, Bilderberg, uh, and, and they're the ones driving all of this at the moment. Definitely. And the World Economic Forum, is it, I'm sure it's them that have the, the Young Leaders program, is it? Yes. Now, we've all heard Klaus Schwab, or most of us have heard Klaus Schwab talk about having penetrated the cabinets. Mm. The World Economic Forum runs a thing called the Young Global Leaders program. And it's a throwback to Henry Kissinger's, um, where he would take future politicians in and educate them through, um, is it Harvard? I think it was Harvard. And then push them back out into into the industry. Now, what the young global leaders are doing is implement directly implementing World Economic Forum policy and the plans of the Bilderberg Group. And we know that Justin Trudeau is a graduate of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders, as is Sunak in the UK, as is Macron in France, as is Ardern, what formerly of New Zealand. Now she's got a cushy job in the UN. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy that's taken over from Ardern, whose name escapes me, he's, he's also a graduate of the World Economic Forum. And we could go the on. The pattern emerging. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We are not electing politicians or governments. We are voting for those that have been selected. And as you well know, Lee, those that don't toe the line and have a, the old critical thought, <laughs> they don't get very far. Look, yeah, I, I've stood for one of the major... I, I've gone, rather gone for selection for one of the major parties. They're not interested in how intelligent you are or whether you know anything or whether you're capable of structuring. They want you to toe the line. They're looking for people that will do as they're told. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I wouldn't do that. You know? no, no. So hence, hence I, I, I ran for, for the UK Independence Party, which, again, also was not keen on talking about these issues because they were afraid of building a monster too big for the public to understand. My stance on that is the public's far more intelligent than any politician seems to think. And I think I think we should tell the truth and give people facts and 100%. let them make decisions. And and I, I refer a lot to joining the dots because all nothing that's going on. And I'll touch on the Israeli thing in this as well. Nothing mm. that's going on at the moment is in in isolation. Nothing is going on because somebody made a mistake or this, you know a failure of security policy. If we take the Israeli Palestine conflict now, everybody's picking sides. Lots of pro-lifers and lots of left wingers oh, yeah. and right wingers are picking sides. And openly talking about genocide. Mm-hmm. But so what's happened in that? Why has it suddenly started again in the Middle East after a relatively benign period? And mm. with, when Trump was in power, bringing people together, and bringing Iran and Saudi Arabia together in, in opening talks. So, but, so what has happened is the West 
NATO, the World Economic Forum, all of these groups have basically taken the COVID hoax and the vaccine. And if we talk about the vaccine, we then get into biological warfare, uh, gene warfare, biological warfare, because yeah. that's what that's what the COVID vaccine is. It's a it's a genetic bioweapon and DNA altering. Yeah. And not only did they do this in Fort uh, Fort Detrick in North Carolina and working with the University of North Carolina, the, the Obama government uh, administration, they call it, the Obama administration moved that research to Wuhan in China. Now, we know that because there's a paper trail and a money trail. $3.7 million was spent mm-hmm. by the NIH to move that research. And then they carried on funding it. But what people are not aware of is that there are more than there's more labs around the world than Wuhan. And when President Putin, Russia, invaded their special military operation in Ukraine, the first sites that they hit were Pentagon owned and operated bioweapons facilities in Ukraine. And Russia, having spent 20 years trying to do deals with the West and trying to be friendly to the West, from 2014 onwards, when the Ukrainian government was hijacked by George Soros, and the, uh, the the color revolutions is open for open society group. What I forget, I forget what they're called. What happened there? They installed a, a pro Western anti Russian government, and then when these labs started turning up, and Russia being penned in from by NATO, virtually surrounded, both Georgia some years earlier and now then Ukraine now became a threat directly on Russia's border. So Russia was forced to act. So the first facilities that the first targets that they hit were these bioweapons facilities. And they hit mm. them both with artillery and missiles and special forces. And they took away a whole raft of paperwork, documents, and research. And mm-hmm. so that, that that stuff is waiting to be released and waiting to come out in the media. But it's a fact. That's actually what happened. Mm. And equally, Russia invaded because the eastern states eastern counties, states of Ukraine, are ethnically Russian. They're historically Russian, as is eight other cantons that, that, that are being talked about now. And the Ukrainians had been targeting and murdering Russian, ethnic Russians in those states since 2014, since the Azov battalions were integrated by Zelensky into the Ukrainian military formally. And the, the Azov battalions have a history as well back into the... 1940s with the oh, yeah. uh, SS, that Baffin SS divisions. And they had their own division, Gal- Galicia, I think it was. And so all of this is a historical of why Russia went in and why Russia was forced to act at the point that they did. Well, the West has piled weapons, piled money, piled resources, including personnel, into this war. Russia has won this war hands down. It's mm-hmm. over. It's over for everybody except the West who want to keep it going, pumping money in. But what Putin very cleverly did was not escalate the war. He did not expand the war. Mm-hmm. He contained it within that Russian-speaking, Russian-ethnic, Russian If area. anything, he's the reason we're, we're actually not at war. He's, he's absolutely. For the last 15 years, he's the only reason that we are not at World War Three. President Putin, in my opinion, is the only global statesman of his generation. The mm-hmm. only global statesman. And so having failed to start World War Three in the Ukraine, and having soundly lost the conflict, the West has been looking for to open another front. So what they did, they they started uh, a conflict in Niger over uranium, and that's been held in in, in check by this Wagner Group again, Russian. Mm-hmm. So what do you do if you can't start a war in Russia and you can't start a war in Africa? You go to the you know the next best place is the Middle East, mm-hmm. and Netanyahu is a globalist, and He's also one of the most disliked, I won't say hated, disliked men in Israel by Israelis. And so his, he, he was given his orders to start a conflict. <clears throat> now, I, I have to say, that's, this is my opinion, this bit. Mm-hmm. But what is not my opinion is the fact that the, the Israeli border is impregnable. Mm-hmm. You know, even to the point that for, former IDF people are saying you couldn't, you know, they were called out all the time just for rats running around. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and the alarms go off all sorts. Oh, absolutely. Now that... Those Hamas terror, t- terrorist freedom fighters, take your pick. Mm-hmm. They were allowed through the border. The border was stood mm-hmm. down and they were allowed exactly, through. Yeah. 
And, and, and people that's... people fail to remember as well that two, three weeks before this, you know, there was on the verge of civil war out there. Yes. Yeah, but Israeli on Israeli politics. Mm. politics. And, but again, one of the other things people are not aware of, who, where did Hamas come from? Where did Hezbollah come from? Mm. Hamas was formed by the CIA and Mossad as a, in the 70s as a counterbalance to Yasser Arafat and the PLO. That is a fact. Mm. And they fund it to this day. And it's the same with um, Hezbollah. Iran, Iran may back them and fund them now, but they were founded by the Israelis again. Mm. As, as a, a, another counterbalance, another opportunity to manipulate and cause trouble. Now, I'm not talking about and Israelis, going back to what you said earlier. I'm about Israeli government. Yeah, yeah. Going back to what you said earlier, Lee, about the um, the controllers and and whatnot. The um, I think it was the Balfour Declaration, Balfour was it? Declaration. Um, yeah. Where the Rothschilds lent on Britain and yes. something along those lines. Yep, and that was in the that was pre World War Two, and yeah, about gifted the land to where. Uh, to, to the Jews, yeah. To, to the Zionists. Yeah. The Zionists were a group the Rothschilds started and funded, which has become fairly mm-hmm. insidious within Western politics as well. And this, and this is where all these politicians are jumping into back Israel rather mm-hmm. than saying, well, no, one wrong does, two wrongs don't make a right. Mm. What, and I was actually what over Hamas what... did was wrong. It was a terrorist offence attack. Yeah. What Israel is doing now is using that as, to, to pursue genocide against the Palestinians. And there mm. are politicians, before anybody writes in to object, there are politicians all around the world that are using that rhetoric in the United States, in Israel in particular, but elsewhere in, in politics in the West. And soon after doing a little bit of digging myself, Lee, there seems to be an overwhelming number of US politicians that actually have dual citizenship with Israel. Mm, yep, that's true. Very interesting. Yeah, what, what you were saying earlier about the um, the money. Um, I've been looking at, there's a company called, an organization, should I say, called West Exec. I don't know if you've uh, you've come across this I've organization. I've heard of them. I don't know a lot about them. Yeah, they... Um, they, they allegedly run the White House currently. Mm, yeah, well, this is it. They're, they're named after the road that leads from the White House to the Eisenhower, um, Eisenhower building. And um, the founder was, let me get this right, Tony, the current Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, is it? Anthony Blinken, yeah. And Anthony Blinken, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it was formed when the Obama administration was coming out and Trump administration was going in. And it's it's looking like that this is kind of a bridge for the likes of State Street, BlackRock, the other one, Vanguard. Vanguard yeah, um, obviously, they're not going to be able to deal directly with the White House, but it, it looks it looks like that. It looks very much like that to me. It, it does, and you know, let's be clear that there is there's been talk and rumours for the last two or three years that West, Co, whatever they're called, actually are the administrative function within the White House. Mm. Uh, well, I don't know if that's true or not, but there's been a lot of talk about that, and there is already contracts to rebuild Ukraine after the West and NATO wins, which they're not mm-hmm. doing a terribly good job of at the moment. Yeah, so these contracts are already been let and financed for the rebuilding of Ukraine. Mm. That, when we talk about they, this is who we're talking about. And it's easier to use the word they because it's yeah, of course. a large, broad, nebulous. Sort and of there are a lot of, uh, lot of layers. It's a lot of layers. And that's why I sort of started off with the UN as the titular government. But the WEF is the real decision-making group. And there's other layers below that from the mm-hmm. policy making, policy dissemination, financing, World Bank, IMF. And then you get into um, you know, these smaller groups and the pressure groups and the, the, the people that start to... The think tanks. The think and... tanks at a national governmental level, party level in some cases mm. uh, in different countries. And that's where all of these policies are. And, and again, if, for those that are not familiar with this concept, if you take a step back and look at the, the language and the English, or the, the language and the text, with whatever country and whatever language it's in, it's almost identical. Oh, yeah. And you can see that in um, this health, global health treaty that's going through, well, that's come from the UN, or the World Health Organization. Sorry. They're all singing from that same hymn sheet, aren't they? They are. And, and just look at the news with COVID, you know, the COVID hysteria. COVID. COVID existed in the fact that it had been patented, but it was a cold. The vac- that was about getting people frightened enough 
to do as they're told, mask up, stay home, don't mm-hmm. go to work, and take the vaccine. And the yeah. vaccine is, leads us into the ultimate aim of why do you have mass war? Why, why do you poison people with vaccines that are not legally vaccines? Again, we go back to the World Health Organization back in 2015, 16. They mm. had to change the definition of what a vaccine was yes, and what right. a pandemic was. And they did that quietly. Nobody noticed because why would you? Mm. And then it came out. Uh, and so what this globalist new world order, world government want is a depopulation exercise. And the, the Club of Rome came out in 1971, I think it was, with yep. their document, 1972, The Limits to Growth, which was a document that was basically That's said right. that we can have 8 billion people in the world if you all starve and do as you're told, or if, or if, if you want a quality of life, then you have to have a totalitarian government and less than a billion people. Well, Klaus, Uncle Klaus has come out this year, last year, and told us that, well, we are having a global government and it's going to be totalitarian and we want less than, less than a billion people. And, and they're very blatant with it now. They just come out and say it. Yeah, they, they're out of the shadows. These people are mm. out of the shadows. But if, you, if as, a, as a cross-reference for that, for a billion people, think back to Jose Manuel Barroso, who was the president of the European Commission for 10 years in the 90s, I think the 90s into the noughties. And he is on record in a t- at least two, one speech, because I've, I've got that, where he's talking about a, a global population in harmony with the planet at no more than 500 million people. Yeah. 500 million people. That's, so one in 17. That's a, that's a mighty cull. That's one in 17 is, is going to survive. That is a mm. mighty, mighty cull. And so then you go back to people like uh, Noah Harari. I forgot his first name. And, and he's, a clear, he's a real big influencer on Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. And he talks about um, AI and a post-human future, mm. post-human world. And what they're talking about is this integration of artificial intelligence into the remaining 500 million people. Yep. And then you look at um, companies like um, Neuralink, which is a Elon's. E- Elon Musk company. And so you have to look at Elon Musk. Is, is he on mm. our side or is he on their side? Because it, mm-hmm. And then you look at the 5G and some of the stories around 5G technology and the, the nanoparticles and graphene nanoparticles in the vaccines, which is yep. now proven. And this, lo- this network of low Earth orbit satellites that uh, Elon Musk and his company um, have put up, I forgot the name of the company, have put up there. So, you know, what is all this for? Exactly, and, yeah. And th- this is who we're talking about when we say they, them. Mm, exactly, the, the yeah. The New World Order, the globalists. And it's, it's basically... It's, families behind this as well, like the Rockefellers, who've openly oh, yeah. talked about this for years, who granted the land in New York for the uh, United Nations building. And, you, you know, the Rothschilds who openly lobbied Balfour to create the documentation and the... the, the the policy of of, of a, a Palestine of, a, of an Israeli state, a mm-hmm. Jewish state in Israel in Palestine, and then you look at the way that that was adopted by the, both the League of Nations and then again by the the, the new United Nations in 1946, and I think it started in 1949 with the, mm. the Jews being attracted and paid to, paid to actually go to the to the to Palestine, and so that that brings us into the modern history of the 1940s onwards, which leads us up back up to what's gone on in order to create this Palestinian-Israeli conflict that we're seeing again today. And so all of these things, and this is why I talk about joining the dots. You have to understand the history, the organizations, the policies, how these policies become government policy, how these um, think tanks get their ideas adopted, uh, and then globally. And then again, as another cross-reference for that, if you go back to the 70s in England, in, in the UK, we had a arms, weapons amnesties in the 70s, 7071, mm-hmm. where everybody was encouraged from the days of empire and granddad brought back a, a revolver from Germany or China or wherever he'd been stationed, you know, Malaya, in my dad's case. And, <laughs> you know, there's, you know if, you, if your house gets burgled, a, a criminal might pinch a firearm and kill someone. So let's oh, hand yeah. them all in. So we did. Yeah. You know, and everybody goes, yeah, great idea. 
But what if you stand back and then look back through history, that same process happened in the United Kingdom, in Ireland, in Australia, in New Zealand, less so in Canada because Canada borders the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's bit by bit, it's slowly. Bit by bit. But again... Now we've got the dogs as well. Yeah, Yes, the dogs. But you, if you look at the legislation that's passed and you look at the language in that legislation and then you look at the timing and then you look at the two-year implementation time frame that, that happened, this happens on, and it's the same with, same with gay rights and then gay marriage. Now they're trying to do it with transgender. Mm-hmm. And, and you look at it, it ripples and rolls through the West primarily. Mm. And then it bleeds over into other... And they're all in congruency with each other, you know. It's... And they're all in order. Yeah. And so you, you need to look at not just the policies, but how and when they're implemented and the language within the documents. And that, that tells you that this is organised and coordinated. Oh, yeah, it's very telling, the language. Yeah. And, and a lot of the things we've just talked about, apart from not being able to defend yourself, is really about putting stresses and strains on society to break down society. Exactly. And, and at the moment, there, it seems like it, we're almost being attacked from all angles. We are. I mean, we've got the, the the attempted destroying of the family unit, electric cars, climate change, carbon credits now as well, this online safety bill lunacy, which is just designed to not protect children. It's, no. <laughs> it's laughable, it's isn't it? Freedom of speech. Exactly. Freedom Energy prices, food prices through the roof. And again, if we, and, if we talk, if we talk oh, about just about a couple of those ones, energy pricing, there's, a, there's an energy crisis, so everybody's got to pay more. Mm. So if there's an energy crisis, there's one coming with the Gulf, but mm. if, with energy prices, why are British Gas and Ovo and whoever, all of these companies are making record profits? Or, you know, there's a food crisis. So why are the supermarkets making record profits? But the mm-hmm. farmers are not. The farmers are being squeezed. The public mm-hmm. is being squeezed. And so you have to look beyond the, the, the events that affect you in, in isolation and link yes, them all Yes, exactly. Back together. It's bigger than that. There's More, things like the fertilizer. As... Fertilizer. Yeah, there was, there was legislation passed all around the world, again, all in this sequence around environmental protection and too much nitrogen in the, in the, in the, the rivers and turning the frogs gay. The truth of that is that in order to control nitrogen, you control food production because nitrogen is the main fertilizer that globally that creates the food chain that Mm -hmm. we have that enables us to feed 8.3 million billion people. And if you, 60% of that capacity, that productivity is based, 40%, sorry, 40% is based on the use of nitrogen fertilizers to create the yields that allow us to feed and have the kind of food economy that we've got. So if you take 40% out of that by banning nitrogen fertilizers or pricing them out of the, out of, out of use, which is what's happening in different economies. Some have been banned, others have been restricted and and others like the UK, the price has gone up three, threefold. So it's now not, not affordable. It's not viable to use those fertilizers. And then you get fools like Kerry, the global climate change czar, who's now said that we, we've got to take 30%, you know, farms are responsible for 30% of climate change and climate, global climate change gases, which is A, not true. You know, we've had farms farming animals and yeah. vegetables since the planet began. But now we're going to take, close 30% of farms. And being as cows create so much methane gas, we're going to, we're going to cull all the cows so you can't eat beef. And you shouldn't eat beef anyway because you're a, a useless eater. Back to yeah. Klaus Schwab. And no, Yuval Noah Harari said that first. Mm-hmm. And so you, you then look at, well, where did this come from? And that takes you back to the Club of Rome. Because the Club of Rome's founding documents were about global planning. It was about the use of climate, environmental uh, tools, climate change, to restrict people's access and to turn to use the climate as a means of controlling people. And they also yes. talked about global war and the, that, the, the, limit, the 1972 limits to growth was the encapsulation of that thinking into a document. And that's the world where all of that has moved through since, since these documents and this thinking was put together. And this is all comes from the 50s and 60s into the creation of these organizations in the 70s, into the, the emasculation of national sovereign governments today. And all of these policies are being funneled through these organizations and these structures 
that are now affecting, directly affecting everybody, every single individual's life. And that is still not enough for these people. They now no. want to create world war, which will A, kill million, millions, possibly a billion people. We've got a vaccine that's killed tens of millions and adversely affected officially 2 billion people across the world, across the planet. And now they're working, you're going to use both the reduction in food capacity, the, the diminution of, the, of, not the right word, but the reduction in capacity for diesel oil. Yes, diesel oil right. affects the delivery of all of these commodities, food, everything's moved by diesel electric. Yeah, it's not the, it's not the, uh, and diesel, the diesel fuel, is it? It's the oil. It's the oil, yes. So, and you know, the maximum the supply chain has got once you, once you cut that, is you know your average diesel vehicle car van it needs the oil changing once a year a truck three or four a train five or six. Oh yeah yeah so all of this 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 puts strain it puts delay it put, it takes out capacity and it forces up costs and that those costs are levied levied on the likes of you and me and the public they're not mm. carried by the the companies and so you see this things start to come together. If you start to look at these things, not in isolation, but then sit back and say, okay, how, why is this? How is this mm. affected? What's the impact of um, cleaning up biopharmaceuticals by stopping nitrogen being produced? Nitrogen first. It's so hypocritical as well. I mean, look at it's the- very uh, clever. We're, we're, we're having this uh, this climate agenda shoved down our throats at every yeah. turn. And then we've got- we're, And we're importing all the products from China into the West. And then they have that ridiculous railway. I don't know if you've seen that. The amount of coal that they that, that they channel through that thing. Wow. Yeah. It's just the hypocrisy is just astounding, isn't it? And we've got uh the elite buying the the tyrant class buying up the oceanfront villas and the, yeah. the, 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 that worried about the sea levels rising, they're buying all them up. <laughs> Anyone who think they should be buying the mountain ranges well, instead, you know. <laughs> yeah, well well let's have a you know, let's take Obama. Obama Brought, you know, he, he basically implemented all of these rules in the United States in, in his eight years. You know, those that were not already underway. He's gone about climate change. He then comes out of office and buys an $11.8 million beachside house in the Hamptons, yep. a meter above sea level. Mm -hmm. Where did a president that's never had a job other than politics get $11.8 million? Oh, come on, Lee. He needs somewhere to kill his chef. <laughs> well, there's another one. <laughs> yeah. You know, why was there no formal, no no serious investigation into that? Exactly. And and you know, and it's not. It's I don't know if people know this, but the Clintons lost a chef in similar circumstances. Oh, they did. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was reluctant to mention that then because I was thinking, was it the Clinton or was it the Bush? I couldn't. I couldn't remember. Clinton. But yeah, it was well, Clinton, maybe yeah. the Bushes as well. But it's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe his his mum is campaigning for um, quite frivolently about the. Um, about the, about his death, and um, she thinks Good. there's a lot more to she answer should. to there. I, I don't know, but I'm absolutely certain in my own mind that there is. <laughs> yeah, me too. And, and you look at the, I know it's unofficial and it's it's poo pooed as a conspiracy theory, but the, the Clinton death count. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and the number of people Did... that committed suicide by shooting themselves twice in the back of the head. Did you see the debate on uh, the PBD podcast with Anthony, what's his name, Weiner? I, 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 wow, I he, got an, he got animated. As soon as they touched on that kill list, they called it. That's it. The kill Ooh, list. He lit up. Yes. Wow. And, and, you know, smoke and fire there. Mm. And they asked, they asked him directly, why are you one of the only ones that is still alive? What do you know, you know? Well, and as soon as they touched on that, oh, he went off. Well, we, we talk about um, Biden laptop. But yeah. The, you know, the Wiener laptop is... I mean, he served time as well, hasn't he? I did uh, good. I didn't know that, but good. Yeah, yeah. He served time for child. Um, oh, yeah. I think she was fifteen, but she's a child. Still, I, I, yeah. This is society, and any adult. Our job is to look after children, not just mm. our own, but any and all children. Mm. And and that takes you sort of back to Palestine, you know. And two hospitals have been bombed now. Yep. Full of children and women. They that that, that is not a military target. Mm. And, you know, we're all purveyors of the truth, Lee. And then you do, I keep coming back to this, and we've spoke about it on, on Lee Dawson's Frontline show, and you should check that out, guys. It's a fantastic show. Um, we've spoke about it previously, about the about the White Hats and the, oh. um, <laughs> the Trump being the saviour, 
and everyone riding in on a white horse and, you know, and it's just the truth of community as well is so quick to take sides. Not all of them, mm. but there are so many that are like, I mean, you was involved in altercation on Warren Thornton's thing the other week. They got a bit lit up, weren't you? Yeah. And um, yeah, they, they, they are so like passionate about you having to choose one side or the other, yeah. that everything's black or white. You know, there's no kind of, hang on a minute, these are humans. These are actual people here. With the white hats. It's a, it's a wonderful idea. I'd love it to be true. Of course. But it's not. No, it's and if, not. <laughs> and if we stand back again and look at the look at the landscape of politics and the civil service and the military, if there were white hats, and I'm not saying they're all bad people, you know, there's some good people in there following orders and going along with it because what else? Do yeah, you, what definitely. Else do you? But there's nobody sat there with a master plan playing 3D chess, trying to catch these people out mm. and demonstrate their evil because a it's transparent that these people are evil. It's just, this is an evil agenda. Yeah. But and if, if there were supposed there, White Hats, they would be work. They would be the same. Yes. If 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 you're going to sit there and let this happen, with billions of people being put at risk by the vaccine alone, World mm. War Three, you know, civil unrest, mass immigration, you know what? There's there's another one. You know <laughs> the the changing tactics of Hamas in Israel this time. That's a very replicatable model. Mm -hmm. When you look start looking at the military age men that are flooding into the West and the allegations as yet unproven that yep. you know, we, we do know that there are 10, 5 million weapons that have been sent to or exported from Libya, Syria and Ukraine that are missing. 5 million. Where are they? It's frightening. It is frightening. And I do fear as well, Lee, I don't know about, we don't know what your stance is on this, but I do fear that if the powers that be, if they don't get the reaction that they want from the people, they'll move on to the next. Then one. there'll be a false flag on American soil. I do. It's, it's a quite a yeah. possibility. It's a, it's a it's a nailed uncertainty. Mm. This these guys are out of the shadows. You know, it's clear what's going on. It, it it's very difficult for somebody not engaged in this to see the pattern. It's very easy for the public to be focused and trained, and they have been trained by the media, of course, to look at a single individual event. Yeah. Before we were looking at Ukraine, Niger didn't really take off in the media. Now we're focused exclusively on Israel and Palestine. But all of these things are happening around, all the stuff we touched on and talked about, that's happening in and around, and all these dots are linked, all these organizations are involved, all these people are involved. The politicians and the civil service, they're out of the shadows. You know, they, they, they cannot afford to lose because they're all going to prison. And you can understand because, you know, the images that are coming out through the mainstream are, are, are tragic, you know. Pull on the old heartstrings, of course. You know, no one wants to see see those kind of images. But, again, there's an agenda on what's, what's going on behind the curtain. There is an agenda. People are being manipulated. People are being... We're not being asked to pick a side. We're being told to pick a side. And if you don't pick the side that I'm telling you to pick, then you're anti-Semite or you're anti... Exactly. And they use that word as a as a protection mechanism against any form of criticism. Yes, I mean, I, I think now I, Maria Z said this the other night. Another good podcaster who people should look at, and she said that you know, it's, these words anti-Semitic, racist, have been so overused now that they hold no they hold no value. Mm. That they're, they're completely, or they should be completely, you know, enabled. Mm. Uh, What's going on? And, and I, I say I, earlier, I said that it's every man's, every parent's, every adult's job to look after children, who's, who's ever children they yes. are. This killing of children, either in Israel by the Hamas or in Palestine by the Israeli Defense Force, has to stop. This mm -hmm. is not a picking sides issue. This is a yeah. whoa, stop now. We're meant to be the conspiracy theorists, Lee. <laughs> we are. But, well, it is a conspiracy, but it's just not a theory, and we're not perpetrating it. We're just exactly, highlighting yeah. and exposing it. And again, who who coined the phrase conspiracy theory? Or conspiracy theory? CIA. Yeah. CIA, after the Kennedy assassination. Mm -hmm. Anybody that said it wasn't a single shot on the, on the grassy knoll was a conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theorist in itself is just a theory in itself, should I say. It's just an alternative viewpoint, you know? Yeah. And... And, but the, all of these things, and, and the, the collusion of the media has, has enabled this 
what we now call council council culture mm-hmm. is enabled that and that's why these words have had meaning and power because yeah. you get accused of it and there's no way past it because you don't have the media and this is what alternative media is all about mm. it's about giving an alternative view hopefully a balanced view and hopefully a fact-filled balanced view and i think people need to step back look at all the dots try and join them together and then take a view that you know, put your critical thinking hat on, which I think is, we're not taught critical thinking skills anymore. No. We're not taught rational thought in, in schools. So the opposite, if anything. Yeah. Absolutely the opposite. But I'm glad you said that. <laughs> but people need to just take a view. Don't listen to what the politicians and the media are telling you. You know, some, some of it's true. Some of it's mm. said in good faith. But most of it, most of the agenda, most of the policy is not coming from government. They're just front men trying to articulate it, present it, deliver it, and, and exactly. make you have it. And this is what I always say, you know, I, I have some extreme beliefs. Um, and, you know, to, to the average man in the street, they, they would think that I'm <laughs> a sandwich short of a picnic, so to speak. But, you know, it's what you've got to do is you've got to at least look at both sides. You're watching something on the news, find out why they're showing you this, you know, just, just question the narrative. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean you have to question it. So you, you try and look for a, for a reason why what they're saying isn't true, but just analyze both sides yeah. and then make a, a critical decision as to which you're leaning more towards dive deeper, you know, and it's, yeah. Yeah, people don't tend to just do that. They just accept blindly what they're being force fed. Yeah. And I, I feel, I feel for people, the public a lot of the time, because, you know, it's, it's not as if they've been given the facts. It's very mm. difficult when you know you've got a job to do, you've got a mortgage to pay, you've got kill children to bring up and take school and run around after. Yeah, and this is another thing, Lee. Sorry to interrupt you. You've got to. I think in order to be a purveyor of the truth, if you will, and to want to find the the real answers, you have to have respect and almost. It sounds wrong me saying this, but almost admiration for how perfect their system actually is. Oh yeah, because it is. It's very fucking good. It really is. It, it's very well thought through. It's had some of the best minds in the world over 100 mm. years pulling it together. It's so far down the track now that I think, my, my personal view is that to stop it, firstly, we need somebody like a Trump. At least the United States have got a, a, a candidate. Exactly. In the West, in, in Europe, in the UK, we've got nobody to vote for. You know, they, these the political system is completely overtaken. We have to dump not just the main parties, but the secondary parties as well. Mm-hmm. We have to start electing people that you know. Do I trust you? I trust you. Your Senate, I'll vote for you. And we don't need political parties. You know, if you get 650 independents in Parliament, there will become a consensus. People will mm-hmm. find consensus. It might take a little bit longer. It may take- Just designed to give us the illusion of choice, isn't it? You it know? is. And, and all of these parties are owned. I mean, we've been... The Conservative Party voted for a leader and everybody complains that it wasn't a general election and she shouldn't have been the leader. But she at least was elected by 10 or 12,000, 9,000, whatever it is, Tory members. Mm-hmm. That was the wrong decision. So all, the IMF, the World Bank, the, the markets, the media all turned on the trust government. Yep. You picked the wrong one. Here, Starts cutting taxes, can't have that. Can't have that. Oh, God, no. So here, have this fella. He's a graduate of the Young Global Leaders from the world. I just knew he was going to get there, you know. I I I just knew. I thought they were going to do. I thought they were going to cheat the first time. Mm, Me too. Going to lose, but when they elected Truss, I I didn't think it'd be quite so quick, but I knew they'd get rid of her in six to nine months. Do you know when it was the tipping point? When I knew, it was his speech. The as the chancellor, that that first lockdown one. Mm. I just, I just knew the the just the way he carried himself. It was so schooled. It was so, yeah, yeah just a product of the system. Yeah, and he took William Hague's seat. They ennobled William Hague, sent him to the Lords to free up. I think it's the safest seat in England of any party, <laughs> Richmond in Yorkshire, and they gave him that. And he was in Parliament for about three years before he became a minister, and then in his second term he became the Chancellor. Uh, again, that's somebody who's selected. And because, I mean, look at him. Look, listen to his speeches. He's as wooden as my table. <laughs> and and he, he's got no critical thinking. He's got no original thought. He's just a product of the machine. Mm. And, you know, I, know I, be- I believe he worked for Goldman Sachs prior to this as well. 
Mm. You know, there's another monster that needs to be looked at. Yeah. So one thing that always comes to my mind when we're when when we're we're talking about these kind of things is how kind of unprepared people are and how people tend to be so comfortable and they they don't take any kind of action as a preventative measure mm. um for the future it's all kind of um if you will it's a reaction to something that happens and what i'm trying to get at here is people tend to only let things bother them when it affects them directly. They kind of shut it out. Mm. And this is the thing with a lot of the things we talk about. Because it's not affecting them on a personal level directly at this specific point in time, they don't kind of bother about it. It's not affecting them, so it doesn't matter. It's kind of selfish, really, but that's the way a lot of people are, unfortunately. And I get it. They've got the busy lives. They have the businesses, the children like myself. I've got four on my own. I know all about that. And, you know inevitably, I believe there is going to be a food shortage. Um, Nailed up. And, and I don't think it's going to be too far away as well. It's I mean, paint, paint that picture for me, Lee. What, what are your thoughts there? Well, we've already touched on the fertilizer. We've touched yeah. on the diesel oil. We've touched on the food crisis that we have today, allegedly. And we've not, but we've not touched on one of the other mechanisms and one of the other things that they talk about in the World Economic Forum and the Club of Rome. And that's a, a global starvation event. Mm-hmm. We've already seen it in um, Bangladesh, I think it was, or Sri Lanka, yep. where, where the green policies are moving away from using modern farming techniques to green environmental farming policy. Nearly nearly stabbed the, the entire country. Mm. I saw something about India with the rice as India, well. Well, in, India's banned the export of rice because of food, proposed food shortages. But, but 40% of the rice on the global market comes from India. So that immediately forced up the price of rice in Europe and the yep. United States. That's a direct effect. Oh, yeah. You've then got 30% of farms being closed in, in, the, in the Netherlands. They're starting that now in Ireland. This goes back to the Kerry thing that I talked about earlier. And, you know, shutting 30% of farms globally. All of this stress and strain, additional costs and pricing, drops, dropping yields, plus we, the weather warfare we've not touched on, you know, the, the famine, the, the droughts that are being created globally in different places the impact on the food supply is already evident and if you go from shopping, all angles from all angles, if you go shopping now there's a shortage of eggs there's a shortage of bread oh yeah there's a shortage of milk not all the time not in every shop but you see the expansion of the know, eggs where- was a big thing not too long back actually because i'm big on my eggs i like my steak and my a big thing i've noticed as well is um i like ribeye steak and i i only eat the grass-fed stuff but i, I couldn't hardly get it no and again they want to phase out Beef in particular, but meat in general. And, oh yeah. Um, said he can't. That's another rabbit hole because the London, with its ULEs and everything, London should will be a meat-free city mm-hmm. by 2030. You know, to save the environment. You know, it's not to do because we don't like you eating beef or pork or. And again, it's all Schwab as well. They eat the bugs and eat the exactly. You will you will own nothing. You will eat the bugs and you'll be happy. Well, mm. and again, in the United States and in Europe, there is all already. Um, what they're calling it basically it's ground up insects, which mm. are carcinogenic to, the, to humans or to wow. herbivores you know, in, in large quantities. Um, I, I forgot the name of it. it they've, they've disguised it by calling it, um, mm. it's not bug flower, but that's. I know they're having word. to label up now. Even Helpman's Mayo in the US has got the bio, the, the warning this is bioengineered product. Yeah. And, and some of the, some of the sliced meats that you get in supermarkets, like, ham oh, yeah. Is, is, you know, they, they, Create it like slime, and then they they solidify. Yeah, it yeah. Then... I logged into my Lloyd's Bank the other day, and um, they have like this promotion thing on the front, and I forget the name of the company now, but it was something meat free sausages or something yeah. like that, mm. and they've just got a huge round of funding. These companies are literally having money thrown at them yeah. now, and again, it's not something I've looked into deeply, but it's it may be worth taking a closer look at. But again, if you follow it down, it's these layers, and they more than often when the dots are connected, like you yeah, alluded to earlier, they connect the dots. Yeah. Follow the money. Follow the, exactly, follow, yeah. Follow the so as far as on an individual level, Lee, what, what can we do to prepare? As, I mean, me, myself, personally, I've gone a bit mental. Don't, <laughs> I have recently. I've gone down the old food preparation rabbit hole. I've got my little vacuum sealer, only 30 quid on Amazon, absolute bargain. And then I've got my old freeze-dried uh, freeze-dried thing with my little shelves in because mm. I like my steaks and that, you see. So I'm freeze-drying them at the minute to get long shelf life out of them and whatnot. I'm preparing with all my canned stuff. Got an old Jenny in the garage 
coverage and all that, you know. I mean, what's what, what's your advice for someone who's kind of starting to listen well, to these things? Think, and yeah, I think it, we're, we're we're pretty far down the curve at the moment. Mm. I think I've done a lot similar things to yourself with food and photovoltaics and tins and dried and you know military rations and these survival packs. I've got mm. all of that kind of stuff as well. But I think from where we are now, I think members of the public just need to start buying a little bit more tinned and dried yeah. and, and start building up some stocks and some some reserves because this this food scarcity is coming. It's already here. It's just not visible yet. But there's going to be a starvation event. That is part mm. of the writings of the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and the Club of Rome. That's You can go and read that. You don't have mm. to have me... Telling and, and again, don't believe a word I've said. Go and find out. Go and research of course, yeah. what, what I've been talking about. But people and need and to, people people need to buy tin food stuff that will last, not the ring pull stuff, preferably yep. the, the, the cheap stuff that that is properly tinned. And they need to be buying pasta and rice and yes. dried milk uh, and dried fruit and anything like that that they can store and just start to build up a little bit each week. Just a couple of tins extra to put away. Just a couple of bags of rice extra to put away, and it's yeah. about. And, and I've I've also got into buying seeds. Um, yes, I've me got too. A ton of seeds, and the idea GMO. is that we build up enough food reserves that we can get through two seasons, so that we can break the land. You know, your garden. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to cut your cloth according a little bit, but you know, just build up a little bit of additional food, a little bit for additional resources. You know, a couple of candles, that kind of thing. That um... yeah, people forget as well with regards to the food. The UK currently operates with all the the big chains on this just-in-time um, mechanism that they use to get the food to the places. Yeah, just takes in time. back to the diesel issue. Mm. Just in time means these shops are going to empty when it when it very quickly. In, they're going to empty very very quickly. I know you've got uh, <laughs> you've got other engagements, so I really appreciate your time, mate. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Lee, for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me, James. No problem at all, mate.